Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the Mariana UFO incident. That's correct, the Mariana UFO incident. Now, this was a, a UFO sighting and there was recording of it, and this happened back in 1950 out in West Central Montana. Now, we can begin by looking at Wikipedia, just kind of getting an outline of what happened, and then we'll get into another article that goes into a little bit more detail. It tells us that the Mariana UFO incident occurred August 1950 at Great Falls, Montana. The film footage of the sighting is believed to be among the first ever taken of what came to be called an unidentified flying object or UFO. The footage was investigated by the U.S. Air Force and initially found to be reflections from two F-94 jet fighters, which was later retracted. So you can see what happened. The guy got the film of these flying saucers, basically. And, the air, of course, this is 1950, what, just after World War II. I think the Korean War had already started. They get the Air Force involved because I guess there would be an Air Force base out there. And the first thing they do is just try to cover everything up. They begin with a parallel narrative. All these were two F-94 jet fighters. Well, that would have been easy to disprove because they keep flight logs of those things. Now, it says that the incident happened at 11.29 a.m. on August 15th. 1950, Nick Mariana, he was a general manager of the Great Falls Selectrics, and this is a minor league baseball team. Now, him and his 19-year-old secretary, Virginia Rowning, they were inspecting the empty Legion Stadium baseball field before a game, and a bright flash of light caught Mariana's eye, according to his reports. He saw two bright silvery objects rotating while, while flying over Great Falls at a speed he estimated to be 200 to 400 miles per hour. He believed that they were roughly 50 feet wide and 150 feet apart. Mariana rented his car to retrieve a 16mm movie camera and filmed the UFOs for 16 seconds. The camera could find the objects in color but could not record sound. Rowling also witnessed the objects. The day after Mariana's sighting, the Great Falls Tribune the city's daily newspaper described his sighting and the film in an article, which was picked up by other media outlets around the nation. For several weeks after the sighting, Mariana showed his film to local community groups like the Central Roundtable Athletic Club. So he'd filmed this thing, it got out there, and people saw the film. Now it's going to be important here in a minute because we're going to talk about what happened to that film. Now we find out that the Air Force did their investigation. It says, after seeing the film, a reporter for the Great Falls Tribune called Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio and informed them of Mariana's sighting and film. Now, it doesn't sound like this reporter called them to ask him about air traffic in the area. It sounds like he was being a uh, good little citizen and reporting this sighting to the U to the Air Force. You kind of see how media and the military are working hand in hand. It goes on, it says, U.S. Air Force Captain John P. Brindelson interviewed Mariana at nearby Malmstrom Air Force Base outside of Great Falls. Now, of course, we know about the UFO activity that happened there with Salas, you know, years later. When Mariana and Miss Rowning both told them they had seen two jet fighters pass over the baseball stadium shortly after the sighting, Brindelson felt that perhaps the jets were the objects Mariana had seen and captured on film. With Mariana's permission, Captain Brindelson, oh, here you go. Man, you don't, I don't think you really want to turn your film over to these guys. 
unless you have a copy. With Mariana's permission, Captain Brindelson sent the film to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for analysis. He told a reporter in Great Falls that he had picked up about eight feet of film from Mariana. However, in his message to Wright-Patterson, he said that he was sending approximately 15 feet of moving picture film to the base for study. According to UFO historian Jerome Clark, this discrepancy was never cleared up. At, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the film was briefly examined and determined to be the reflections from two F-94 jet fighters that were known to be flying over Great Falls at the time of Mariana's sighting. Lieutenant Colonel Ray W. Taylor returned the film to Mariana with a cover letter stating that our photo analysts, analysts were unable to find anything identifiable of an, of an unusual nature. However, according to Air Force Officer Edward J. Ruppel, who would become the supervisor of the Air Force's Project Blue Book, investigation into the UFO mystery in 1951. In 1950, there was no interest by the Air Force in the UFO, so after a quick viewing, Project Grudge, boy, a name like Project Grudge, you know they're going to have an open mind, had written them off as the reflections from two F-94 jets, fighter jets that were in the area. Controversy soon arose when Mariana claimed that the first 35 seconds of his film which he said most clearly showed the UFOs as rotating disc were missing. People in the Great Falls area who had viewed Mariana's film supported his claim. They claimed that the missing frames clearly showed the UFOs as spinning metallic disc with a notch or band along their outer edges. The Air Force personnel denied this accusation instead and insisted they had removed only a single frame of film which is damaged in the analysis. So that's what they like to do. They like to uh, put a little lie in there, a little bit of the truth. No, we didn't take out seven feet of film. We just took out one frame. Yes, sounds reasonable. Now, it goes on to tell us this. In January 1951, Bob Constantine, a writer and UFO skeptic, read Debunker, wrote an article for Cosmopolitan magazine entitled The Disgraceful Flying Saucer Hoax. It debunked the most famous UFO sightings to that date, including Mariana's sighting and film, claiming that Constantine's article implied that he was a liar, prankster, half-wet, crank, publicity hound, and fanatic. Mariana filed a lawsuit for slander against Constantine. The lawsuit was eventually dropped in 1955. You know, I understand why people uh, read UFO articles and listen to UFO podcasts like this because it's fun. And it's a mystery, and it's fun to talk about it and share experiences with people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's harmless. What I don't understand is uh, who pays for the debunking uh, material that's produced. It seems like that if you didn't believe in UFOs or you really just were completely uh, closed off to the thought of UFOs, why would you read an article about them? I mean, I don't need to read an article debunking something that I don't believe in. I mean, maybe once in a great while, you know, but it's not something that I would consume on a regular basis. What's the fun in that? I could understand why people like to read articles about UFOs and, and you know, and watch UFO videos and listen to UFO, you know, podcasts because it's something that we enjoy. It's kind of a positive, rewarding experience, but to just to sit there and consume negativity all the time. 
you think that would get a little bit boring. So who's paying these guys? Even back in 1951, how do you make a full-time job being a UFO skeptic? That's That seems suspect to me. It said later studies in July 1952, Captain Ruppert was able to convince Mariana to let the Air Force see the film for a more detailed analysis. Mariana reluctantly agreed, but only after requiring the Air Force to sign an agreement that they would not remove any frames of the film. The film analyst at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base concluded that the objects in Mariana's film were not birds, balloons, or meteors. The original conclusion that the objects were reflections of the F-94 jets was also ruled out. According to Rupert in his memoirs, the two jets were in, weren't anywhere close to where the two UFOs had been. We studied each individual light and both appeared to and both appeared too steady to be reflections. We drew a blank on the Montana movie. It was an unknown. In January 1953, the Air Force and CIA convened a committee of promised scientists to examine the best cases collected by Project Blue Book. Called the Robertson Panel, after its chairman, physicist H.P. Robertson, it viewed Mariana's UFO film. The scientists judged that the objects in the film were reflections of aircraft known to have been in the area. So they'll let the, there's your scientists sit right there and lie to your face. Now the Air Force came out and had to retract that these things were airplanes. It said, no way. The airplanes weren't around there. These reflections are far too steady. These lights are far too steady to be reflections off one of our airplanes. And so how do we handle this uh, bombshell revelation? Well, we bring in an authority figure, and he tells you, don't believe your lying eyes. Now, there was a thing called the Baker analysis, and this is, was in 1954. Uh, Green Rouse Productions decided to film a documentary movie about the UFO phenomena, and they asked Nick Mariana for the rights to use his film in the documentary, and Mariana agreed. So to analyze the film, they hired Robert M. L. Baker Jr., a scientist and engineer for the Douglas Aircraft Company. And Baker, he completed his analysis of Mariana's film in early 1956, and he concluded that the explanation that the objects were simply reflections from the F-94's jet was quite strained. In other words, no way. In 1968, Baker testified before a congressional hearing on UFOs. He commented on his analysis of the Mariana film. He says, preliminary analysis excluded most natural phenomena. More detailed study indicated that the only remaining natural phenomena candidate for the Utah film was birds in flight, and for the Montana film, it was airplane fuselage reflections of the sun. After about 18 months of rather detailed, albeit not continuous, studying using various film measuring equipments at Douglas and UCLA, as well as analysis of the photogrammatic experiment, it appeared that neither of these natural phenomena explanations held any merit. In 1969, Baker presented a paper at the AAUS UFO panel organized by Thornton Page and Carl Sagan. He discussed the Mariana film as well as other films and photographs of UFOs. Baker concluded that the Mariana film was unidentifiable. He emphasized the importance of improving the quality of photographic data before speculating about the nature of UFOs. So in other words, we can't explain it. Let's just not talk about it. Now we have the Condon Report in 1966, and this is a government-established report that was funded uh, for the study of UFO phenomena, and it was located at the University of Colorado at Boulder there, and chaired by Edward U. Condon, a prominent, a prominent physicist. 
The committee's researchers decided to reinvestigate Mariana's UFO film. The Condon Committee assigned two investigators to study the case. Roy Craig, he was a physicist who was generally skeptical of UFOs, and David Saunders, a psychologist who had long been interested in the Mariana UFO incident. Now, Saunders and Craig, they soon added a new problem to the case. They were not sure whether the film had been taken on August 5th or August 15th, 1950. After interviewing Mariana, the two researchers came to different conclusions about the film. Craig, now wait a minute, this would seem easy to figure out to me. They could just go back and find out when the baseball game happened. That should have been recorded. Craig remained skeptical of Mariana's claims that 35 frames had been removed from the footage. Well, of course. A comment I considered most significant, which Mariana's ex-secretary made to me during a telephone interview when I pressed for information or beliefs regarding clipping of the film by the Air Force. The very hesitant comment was, what you have to remember is all this that Nick Mariana is a promoter. That comment was adequate to close our conversation. In his memoirs, Greg also wrote that I would not like to have I would not like to have to defend Dr. Saunders' conviction that Mariana's film is strong evidence that we have extraterrestrial visitors. However, Saunders thought that the Mariana film was a crucial case in the Colorado Project's case file, impressed by Baker's analysis. Saunders was suspicious of the discrepancy over the missing frames at the beginning of the Mariana film. He was particularly concerned with reports that the first three seconds of the film that were missing clearly indicated the objects were spinning disc. He came to the conclusion that Mariana's film was the one sighting of all time that did more than any single case to convince me that there is something to the UFO problem. Well, you see there that they're definitely viewing this thing as a problem. And uh, I think the solution to them is just to cover it up. It tells us here that uh, copies of Mariana's film currently reside in the U.S. National Archive. It is still featured in documentaries, television programs, and shared online. The film continues to be debated. Since Mariana's sighting, over 100 other UFO sightings have been made in Great Falls, Montana, making it one of the most active locations for UFO sightings in North America. That could explain something. In 2008, the minor league baseball team in Great Falls was renamed the Great Falls Voyagers in honor of the Mariana UFO incident. Wow. That's, I think that's just a spectacular uh recording actually there i mean they filmed this thing they got it on film and then of course 1950 they trust the government so they go ahead and let them have access to this to this uh movie reel and guess what it comes back incomplete now here's another article on it, it kind of goes into some more detail and this is from journalnews.com.ph the title says the strange saga of the mariana ufo footage and then now this one here has some color pictures of it uh, is also a black and white reel of this that you can get a link to. Here, I'll put this on the Buy Me a Coffee website. Uh, as always, thanks to the people that donate over there at the Buy Me a Coffee. That's great. And while I'm on it, if um, you're listening to the program, go ahead and hit the like and subscribe for Spotify or wherever you're listening at. And uh, take the time to go to Twitter. It's at Warning Sub UFO. And um, follow me on Twitter. It helps the program. Now, this article is written by Britt Swanser, dated August 30th, 2021. It looks like it might have been re-uploaded on, on November 13th. But it says, UFO videos and footage 
have come and gone over the years, ranging from the somewhat compelling to the downright obviously fake. In more recent times, the wide availability of Photoshop and other means of doctoring photos and footage has made such evidence all but pointless, but there was a time before the advent of computer trickery when photos and footage could be taken more at face value, and one of the more astounding of the pieces of footage of a UFO from the time is not only one of the earliest films of a UFO, but also one of the most intriguing and oft discussed. It's important to remember this guy, you, know, you have two witnesses here, and this little gal's with him, and you know, he just films it right there in front of her, so there was no possibility that this film had been doctored and it was it was a uh, movie so it would have been pretty nigh impossible for this guy to really have done that himself so I don't think it was ever um, argued that the film wasn't you know authentically filmed it was just it was just the argument was about the content of the film what they were filming and he says it was UFOs he says the first part of that film was missing that clearly showed that it was UFOs then, of course, the military came along later and said, no, those are fighter fighter planes, and which they had to retract that statement. And then after they retracted it, they reinvestigated and say, well, they must have been airplanes. Well, this is 1950. You didn't have the air traffic like you did today. So obviously the parallel narrative here didn't stick. It didn't stick the first time. It didn't stick the second time. Now, the author tells us on August 15, 1950, an unassuming minor league baseball manager by the name of Nick Mariana of Great Falls, Montana, was going about a usual day. On this day, he went to the baseball stadium to inspect the site before a big game for his team, the Great Falls Electrics, and it was completely routine. No, no reason to suspect that the day was about to get very strange. Indeed, he was there with his 19-year-old secretary, Virginia Rowning, and as they went about their inspection at around 11.30 a.m., a bright flash in the sky caught Mariana's attention. When he looked up, he saw two bright silvery objects that seemed to be rotating and speeding along at an estimated speed of between 200 and 400 miles per hour, with each of the objects around 50 feet in diameter. Rowning had seen the strange objects as well, and for a few moments they just stared in, di in disbelief. Incredibly, Mariana was able to overcome his awe and fascination long enough to remember that he had a 16 millimeter camera back at his car and he ran to get it. Upon returning to the field, the anomalous objects were still up there moving in a formation and keeping a steady distance of around 50 to 100 feet between them. Mariana stared up at his camera and was able to take 16 seconds of color footage of the mysterious objects, which the very next day was doing the rounds in the news, appearing in the local paper the Great Falls Tribune, and from there it would attract a great amount of attention from all over. The footage went on to get nationwide coverage with Mariana further spreading the word through private showings at various local community groups. At the time, UFOs were a hot topic, with the late 1940s really kicking off the craze of the flying saucers and stories about alien invasions all the rage. So what was being called the Mariana footage really hit a nerve and sparked much excitement, controversy, and fear. At the time, the footage was a pretty big deal. And then it says you can see some of the footage here. And there's a link you can go to that. It's pretty neat, actually. Now, among those who took an interest in the footage was the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Air Force Captain John P. Brindelson arrived in Great Falls to interview Mariana on the incident. He would learn that both of the witnesses had also seen two jet fighters fly over the stadium shortly after taking the footage which they had assumed to be the military perhaps pursuing the objects. 
This was a curious detail as it suggested to Brindelson that perhaps what they had seen were just the two jets. He managed to procure a portion of the footage and sent it to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for analysis where it was quickly written off as merely the reflections of the two F-94 fighters that were officially confirmed to have been flying over at the time. However, this explanation did not set well with everyone. Now, I think the author might have made a mistake here. He says he managed to produce a portion of the footage. Now, you're not going to send the guy part of the footage. As it was said in the other article, that they sent the footage, and Mariana says, hey, I didn't get it all back. You cut off the first three seconds, which makes sense. In 1952, the United States government had launched an official investigation into, uh, into unidentified flying objects called Project Blue Book, which evolved from another study of UFOs started in 1949 called Project Grudge. Although Project Grudge had agreed that the Mariana footage was just fighter jets, when Air Force Officer Edward J. Rupert took the reins of the newly amended Project Blue Book, he wasn't so sure, thinking that perhaps the footage had been written off prematurely. Interestingly, as all this was going on, Mariana would complain that sections of the footage he had submitted to the Air Force were missing specifically frames which proved that the objects were rotating or spinning, something the military denied. Well, pretty clearly. He gave him the film, okay? And the first part of the film, that's what, those are first five seconds or so, or three seconds, that's where, he's, that's where he has the best shot of these flying saucers. The rest of the community saw it. Everybody said, yeah, we saw that. He gives the film to the military, and it comes back without the first three seconds. Now, what do you think happened to it? I mean, come on. Rupert was not only able to arrange for another more detailed analysis to be done in the film, but, but also get Mariana's permission to resubmit the footage again. This time, analysts came back with the conclusion that the objects seen in the film were not birds, balloons, or meteors. They also ruled out the original idea that these were just F-94 jets. Ruppelt was also able to ascertain that the jets were nowhere near the stadium at the time of the sighting, making it even less likely that they could have accounted for what was seen in the film. Whereas the first analysis had quickly explained it all away, this time the Air Force had no choice but to concede that it was an unknown. In 1954, the footage was under the microscope again when it was used in a UFO documentary for Green Rouse Productions. The documentary hired a scientist and engineer for the Douglas Aircraft Company by the name of M.L. Baker Jr. to take a look at the film. He also rejected the hypothesis that the objects were reflections of fighter jets. Baker would conclude in a congressional hearing on UFOs concerning of the Mariana footage. It says preliminary analysis excluded most of the natural phenomena. More detailed study indicated that the only remaining natural phenomena candidate for the Utah film was birds in flight, and for the Montana film, it was airplane fuselage reflections of the sun. After 18 months of rather detailed, albeit not continuous, study using various film measuring equipment at Douglas and at, the UCL and at UCLA, as well as analysis of photogrammetic experiment, it appeared that neither of these hypo hypothesized natural phenomena explanations had merit. Now, the author tells us that in the end, Baker's, in Baker's opinion, the objects were unknown. For the next decade, the Mariana footage was much discussed and debated, and then in 1966, it became the subject of another official investigation, this time by the Air Force Funded Study of the UFO Phenomena based at the University of Colorado Boulder and run by physicist Dr. Edward U. Condon. 
This was called the Condon Report, and the study looked at all manner of UFO reports, and this time they had their sights set on the Mariana footage. Condon recruited physicist Dr. Roy Craig and psychologist Dr. David Sunders to re-examine the footage, and they would come up with mixed results. Of course, we go through that again. One of them says, hey, I can't explain it, and the other one says, well, this guy, you know, he was a promoter. Look, nothing has ever been put forward to debunk this footage. A simple case, 1950, simpler times. This guy, he manages a baseball team. He's out there on the baseball field, checking the field out before the game, making sure there's no debris on the field or whatever, everything is safe. He looks up, sees a couple of flying saucers. He remembers, he's got a, he's got an old 16 millimeter or eight millimeter, whatever it was back in his car. He runs back, he gets his movie camera, points it to the sky, starts filming. The first three seconds of this film are amazing. You can actually see the flying saucers very clearly. But then they begin to move across the sky after a couple seconds. He got the film. He has the film developed the next day at the drugstore, wherever he, the camera store, wherever he films it out there in Great Falls. And he begins to show it to people. He takes it to the newspaper. He shows all the local community groups. This is 1950. A lot of people didn't even have television yet. So this is big news. What happens? Well, one of the newspaper guys gets a hold of somebody in at uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio says, hey, we got a video. We've got, well, they wouldn't call them videos back then. We have a movie of this UFO. Well, guess what? The Air Force shows up. Yeah, can we have a look at that, please? They take the film. They return the film later, but the first three seconds are missing. That's what he says. What's the Air Force say? Huh, no problem. We don't know what happened to that. We don't have the film you gave us, even though they told one person that they got fifth, they got what eight feet from him. Told somebody else I got fifteen feet of real. So we see at the very beginning there was deception involved in acquiring this evidence. The chain of custody here is cloudy. The chain of custody here is cloudy as soon as the government gets involved. In the beginning, you have a guy with another with a with a young nineteen-year-old uh, girl. She watches him film this thing with his with his little. Uh, 1950 uh, movie camera. He gets it developed right there in town. He shows it to a bunch of people. They all see it. They say, yeah, this is what we saw. And then the government becomes involved. Hey, let us have a look at that film. He gives them the film. He's very trusting. Doesn't even keep a, doesn't even keep a copy for himself. The film comes back. It's missing the first three seconds. Oh, we're supposed to trust the government, though, that nothing happened to that three seconds of film. Yes, that's never happened before with our government, has it? And to this day, people are still arguing about, even though the parallel narrative, the parallel narrative began shortly after that. Shortly after seeing that film, the government tried to claim that those were fighter jets. That didn't stand to reason. So they reinvestigate. We can't explain it. They reinvestigate. Well, it must have been airplanes. It's 1950. We know they weren't airplanes. See, this is a classic UFO case where you've got good evidence from the very beginning, the evidence is tampered with or destroyed as soon as the government gets injected into the equation, and then the parallel narratives just keep piling on even though they don't hold up. And 16 years later, they're still trying to inject parallel narratives on the thing. That was 1950. Here we are 70 years later, still trying to uh, inject parallel narratives into the story. But the truth remains. Even the video, even the recording that's left over remains clearly not aircraft. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.